What's happening, everybody? We are Digging for Wisdom. That is Matt Diggs. I am the wizard, hence the name. We are on episode seven, so that means we are week six, and we are going to hit the the halfway point for all the teams this week. If not, some may go a little bit over. But at the halfway mark, Diggsy, since I got you here for the next hour or so, shoot me a surprise, the biggest surprise you've seen at the halfway mark. Boy, you're just coming out throwing. Right. Uh, That's right. I'm throwing daggers. Let's go. You know, there's there, there multiple ways you can view, you know, what a surprise is. You know, uh, I, I immediately think of a team like Byron Nelson, and I don't think many people would be surprised if they're 5-0. and uh, I think people would be surprised how dominant they've been in that 5-0, and uh, outscoring opponents 275-50. to 50. I mean, we knew that Byron Nelson uh, had the – potential to be really good offensively this year but defensively they've been fantastic offensively they've been otherworldly I've been very surprised by that uh you know then you look at a surprise that you didn't expect like LD Bell uh that's a team that's five and oh and I don't think anybody expected them to be five and oh so you know it's just kind of what flavor of surprises you want so there's two six day surprises I think uh, in LD Bell and uh Byron Nelson uh, depending on how you want to view it, but uh, pretty much everything has kind of gone the way we expected it to go. Uh, if, if you look at our campfires uh, from pre, from uh, preseason, I uh, haven't been just any ridiculous surprises. Even Garland has been a little bit of a surprise uh, as a team that we thought would be down after last year, uh, but it has continued uh, to be efficient. And we'll talk about them this week uh, when we get down to breaking down our games. Uh, but the the big teams have been the big teams. Uh, even even some of the teams that you look at their records, like South Oak Cliff or Brock uh, or, or Lovejoy, uh, you know, you kind of expected them to struggle with the non-district schedule that they picked, but they're still going to be there when it comes to December football. Yeah, and I'm I'm pleasantly surprised with Wiley East as well because you, you just didn't know what you had going from five A to six A, and they. They've proven to be a solid defensive team and 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 riding the horse known as TJ Washington offense and let him do what he does. So that was a pleasant surprise for me. Yeah, I gotta guess another surprise with South Grand Prairie being on five, but you still love that squad because I see him in their in your top twenty-five. And it's probably because their their schedule is top heavy. Yeah, yeah, right? it, it's top heavy in every game except for the Arlington Martin game was a one score game with uh, all of those opponents. And then you look at what Rockwall did to Rockwall Heath. And, you know, you can just kind of break it down to all of their losses, what Coppell has done against Saxe. Uh, it, they, they look just really impressive. And I think at this point, they're very primed to, to win their next five. Uh, and, and there are a couple teams like that. You know, I think Euless Trinity is going to be the same way. They're going to start out 0-5 and, and then uh, they're not going to lose until they lose their last one in the playoffs, uh, whenever that may be. So, uh, you know, I, I'm still buying the stock of South Korean Prairie. I get very annoyed, Ward, and and this is a this is a wider rant. You may not even want me to go on the rant because it might aver might anger advertisers and get the Texas high school football community. But I, I'm a little mad at people that disrespect in their ranking some of these 0 and 5 or 1 and 4 teams. Uh, and you gotta just you gotta look at the quality of the team, and and that matters. And South Grand Prairie is a very good team. Whether you're looking at just the eyeball test when you watch them play football, you look at the computer polls, you just look at the margin of victory, you read the box scores. Some of these teams are getting highly disrespected by some of these so-called experts out there 
who are analyzing these things and doing state rankings and other area rankings, which is why I'm just glad y'all let me do rankings because then I can just argue with myself or you can tell me why I'm an idiot instead of me having to tell everybody else why they're idiots because I don't like the disrespect. I think South Oak Cliff is being disrespected. I think Brock is being disrespected. I think South Grand Prairie is being disrespected. And you know me, as our friends from DeSoto say, I don't like being disrespected at the mouth. And that's something that gets gets my dander up, Ward. I know that. Boy, oh boy, do I know that. I hear it from you day in and late night out. You let me know about it about 2 in the morning. I don't like this. I don't like you calling me at 2 a.m. So that's where our problems are. Let's uh, let's talk about. So I'm going to start off by talking about. We usually talk about the games we we went to the previous week, but we both have a stake in the in the one game that you were at. Uh, Daniel Fiabo, uh, you got you got a Fiambo. You got a feel for that kid because we had a story ready to run on him. You you hit me off on it. They, I mean, for those that you don't know, they kind of plucked him from PE class. Granted, they went every single year because he was a stud in PE. He lifted, he benched like 450, 500 pounds. Uh, he just wasn't allowed to play because his parents didn't want him to get hurt. His older brother got hurt. They didn't want to go through the same thing with him. And finally, Coach Benedetto got in there and, and convinced him, hey, he can play. There's actually opportunities for him at the next level where you don't have to pay for college. And he's got the talent. We have a good insurance policy. Why don't you let him play? And sure enough, he, he showed, he proved his worth by being one of the area's top rushers and they don't have any, any bad habits to break because he hadn't been playing for so long. So they got to mold him into the running back he was. And, and then the game you were at uh, last Friday, he, 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 he hurts himself, gets carted off. And it was just, it was devastating, not only for Plano East as a football team, but as a community, because he's such a good kid. And, and, you, and if there's one kid, every kid you don't want to see get hurt, but if there's one kid you definitely don't, it would have been Daniel. So maybe shine some light on that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's tough. I'm, I'm feeling, you know, like I just had some involuntary goosebumps when you, you were talking about that because it's still it's still a raw emotion. And uh, it, it's one of those things that kind of nobody really wants to talk about. So I'm, I'm glad that you want to talk a little bit about it because last week uh, the Dallas Morning News ran two stories on them. The Murphy Monitor ran a story on them, and you had a story ready to run on them. I mean, this is this kid has broken through to the next level uh, on that, and and a lot of it was that injury storyline, kind of the fear of the injury storyline. And then the second play of the game, he dislocates his knee and is uh, basically done for the year. Uh, and you know, I didn't realize how bad it was at the time because you know, kind of walked a little gingerly. Uh, but I had heard he had some hamstring tightness in the, in the previous week. So, you know, you're just kind of like, ah, just, you know, kind of maybe a little cramp. It, it was pretty warm last week. Uh, and then all of a sudden you look on the sidelines and uh, he's on a cart and all of a sudden he's got an air cast on or, or something on the leg. And, uh, you know, it, it just doesn't look good. And, and once it kind of came out what was happening, uh, the, the Dallas Morning News reported on it as well, and I, and I know you had a, a guy there who was taping him for, for, the, for the article that you, for the story that y'all were going to do, uh, so y'all found out pretty quickly it wasn't good. Uh, it was just obviously a, a heartbreaking uh, situation, uh, and I'm hoping, and, and I think we live in a world where metrics and analytics and, and coaches' words and, and coaches' evaluation 
uh, to where if, if that kid wants to play in college, he deserves the opportunity to play in college. Uh, I think a play in the East last running back, Izzy Mahdi, uh, who uh, went to Houston, I guess it used to be Houston Baptist, and now it's Houston Christian. Got to keep up with all these college name changes. Uh, and in two weeks, he was freshman of the year and had 200-yard games. And uh, Daniel really reminds me uh, a little bit bigger than uh, Izzy, uh, of that mold of a running back. I think he's going to go somewhere and be a huge success uh, for much of the reasons you've talked about. There's just no real bad habits. He's just a natural freak athlete. Uh, and so I'm hoping, and, and I don't have any inside knowledge as far as this goes quite yet, uh, that he's going to get an opportunity to play at the next level. He's only got three games of game footage, uh, but I mean, the, the measurables, I know that's what a lot of uh, coaches look at. And I know with the whole recruiting portal and, and things like that, it's harder to get in there. Uh, but, it, you know, it may not be at Alabama or, you know, even SMU or TCU at first, uh, but I hope he can get to a place, play for a year, show his worth. And then he, he, he might be a, end up at a place like TCU or SMU uh, and, and really just shine out there. It's just a heartbreaking story. And it's one of those things that, you know, you don't hear a lot of people talking about it this week because it's kind of that jinx thing. You know, people don't like to talk about the jinx. Uh, but when you had so many articles about that and then all of a sudden it happens, you know, everybody's kind of like going back in the bush. You know, we can pretend it didn't happen because we never ran it. Uh, but the Dallas Morning News and, and the Plano paper and the Murphy paper, uh, the local papers out here obviously did cover on it. Uh, and now they're not kind of talking about that next step. Uh, but the next step, I hope that uh, the family's okay. And, and I know the Plano East community is going to take care of them. Uh, but obviously a horrible story. And then on a football level, uh, his backup came in and fumbled twice. Uh, and as part of a five turnover uh, game for Plano East, uh, which led to them losing to Plano. Uh, which is going to be part of the storyline that changes 6-6-A completely up. Uh, turnovers really come down to a lot of things. And, you know, Hebron and Marcus, Hebron had four turnovers. Plano East had five turnovers. Uh, Plano West had two turnovers against Coppell. Uh, and Flower Mound was able to be competitive with Louisville because they got two turnovers of Louisville. So in District 6-6-A, where you have so much parity, turnovers are huge. And you have you had four games last week where you had – four teams with big turnovers versus four teams with no turnovers. Uh, Marcus was the only team that was able to survive uh, that onslaught. Uh, well, they were able to survive that, take advantage of those turnovers, but it wasn't quite uh, that advantage that you would think it would be uh, with that many turnovers. Hebron just completely shot themselves in the foot. But I know that wasn't what you're asking. You're asking about Daniel and he, he's such a good kid. My heart was breaking after that game, uh, not for the fact that Plano East lost, which, you know, is obviously in its own right an, an issue, but just for that kid. And, and I pray that he, he finds peace and his parents don't, uh, you know, have any sort of issues with this. Uh, some of the detailed articles and some of the detailed stories in the Dallas Morning News talked about uh, the fact that his parents had overcome $80,000 worth of financial debt because of his older brother. But his older brother was part of the advocacy group that was able to get him to play. So I think the community, if there is an unmet, unmet financial need, will come around him. I haven't heard anything to that end, uh, but just a heartbreaking story. And, you know, we'll think the best. And and who knows, maybe in a couple of years on Sports Stars of Tomorrow or something, we'll be able to run that back with, with the update that he was able to do something in college. Yeah, you bring you brought up, uh, it's an old cliche, but the, the story's not done. It's not, it's still unwritten. He can finish this story out with 
four or five amazing chap- chapters at the back end, it's, especially if he does, if somebody sees him, because, you know, North Texas, there. when I was there, Connecticut was there looking at him. A, a team can pick him up and still have in, uh, pretty much an untouched and unmolded running back with all those skills. If he can just get past this injury, his parents can get past it in their mindset and whatnot. Uh, he could do amazing things. And you can, you can just picture the announcers, you know, Herb Street or whoever, just like, who is this guy? I don't have any research on him. I got three game films to look at in Plano East. And now here he is leading the Mac or whatever conference he's in to start with. I mean, that's the story's not over yet for this kid. If, if he can keep powering through and if this does, this whole injury thing just doesn't beat him down. So let's, let's hope the psyche of the thing, he still, I know how much he loved the sport. He, he let me know that for sure. Uh, so excited after not being able to play for since the fifth grade, just excited to do anything. First one out there, you know, just like you always hear. So if he still has the love, if the, if the sport hasn't uh, taken the love from him by with the injury, then that story's not over yet. It's really not. And all he's got to do is go watch your uh, piece that you did on the Boswell uh, player that had right. multiple injuries, was able to get back in there. Uh, and I know it's a different year and in a different classification. Uh, but you saw that the tech player had had the broken leg this this past week, and those chapters are not done. And and I think you you spun it correctly, and I hope he's able to get past it and move on. I know a, a team will take a shot on him, and uh, he will he will he will pay that investment back probably tenfold. Exactly, exactly. All right, as far as games from last week that I we were at Thursday, we had, I had a chance to go see some teams that I don't normally do. Irving MacArthur. Uh, uh, put a hurting on Richardson, which goes right into what you had said on the podcast last week. Either Richardson's going to get bombed out or they're going to do some bombing. But last week there was a, was a bombed out week. So they, they, they took a beating from Irving Mack. And then I went down to, uh, I was want to call it Ellis Davis, but Kincaid stadium to, to see uh, Wilmer Hutchins in, in Pinkston. And that was a very ugly game, tons of penalties, tons of fighting, uh, was not the, environment that I was hoping to see out of, especially out of a Pinkston team that's was four and zero for the first time and God knows how long uh, Wilmer Hudson's ended up with a goal line stand there at the end to win 20 to 14. And, and they took that one. And then Friday I did, uh, I, I keep saying, boy, if Joey McGuire could see the state of Cedar Hill, he'd be turned over in his grave, but he's very well, uh, much alive, but he's unfortunately seen it with his own eyes, but he's going to pay attention more to what's going on with guns up than he is with that squad because you know, I had left that game in the first quarter. It was if it wasn't for a 99-yard kickoff return from Cedar Hill, they wouldn't have scored the whole time I was there. And he wasn't even playing on fielding that punt. He was going to let it go, but they took a bounce at the one and went the other direction. So he's like, I better pick this thing up. Took off for a touchdown. So they got some points on the board and got a highlight for him. But the the main game was DeSoto and Wax for me, and I just love the coverage they did on Wax Hatchie did on Jonte Cook. Now. It's, it's, it's twofold here. They shut him down. I think he had one catch while I was there for negative yardage, and he was visibly frustrated on the sidelines. And they had Calvin, uh, Calvin Simpson Hunt on him along with him. I think they doubled up on him. So they did a good job covering him up. So that's twofold. But the other side is they didn't do a good job of, of handling D.J. Bailey, who is a dominant quarterback, at the and he's just a junior. Just the way he handles that offense and fire strikes and and – an awesome dual threat. I really was impressed by him. I was impressed by him by his, at the uh, quarterback competition we had, but I'm was super impressed at this game. So DeSoto ended up pulling away 
Claude Mathis, the, the master motivator, was apparently running around before the game saying, this is our rival, and they're talking about being better at us, too. things that just aren't true. I mean, Wax is not their rival, and I don't think they were running around saying they were better than us. But whatever it was, it worked, and they ended up with the uh, with 42-24 win. But it was an exciting game to watch. Uh, besides Plano East, you got to see a game Thursday night. Where were you at? Yeah, I got North Forty and Mesquite Horn. That was a, a big game for uh, kind of to define the middle of District 10 6 A. Obviously, Rockwall and Rockwall Heath uh, was the big game in 10 6 A, and, and Rockwall made a big statement, uh, just destroying Rockwall Heath early. Lake Bennett, seven touchdowns, uh, running, passing, and receiving kind of the uh, triple threat over there. Uh, but I was more interested in how the middle of that district was going to end out because we, we really don't know what Roy City has. Roy City has some questions. Uh, and you know, all you know, we talk about the puzzle pieces, and and Roy City got thumped by Arlington Bowie pretty good, but all of a sudden Arlington Bowie is after that uh, kind of that crazy play against Plano, uh, they've turned it on to that next level. You know, they beat Roy City by two scores, and then they beat Sam Houston by fifty, and you're like, well, it's Sam Houston. Well, Sam Houston and LD Bell played a one-score game in the fourth quarter, so you know that that's looking all good, and then all of a sudden Plano beats Plano East, and that Arlington Bowie kind of looks good with that and now Roy City you know maybe maybe Arlington Bowie has found something so maybe Roy City has found something and we just don't realize it uh but but uh Mesquite Horn is a very talented team they've got lots of good players uh North Forney had two uh defensive scores to keep that game at at bay North Forney had a lot of self-inflicted wounds if if they can kind of clear that up I think North Forney has a really good chance especially given that Tyler Legacy is a bit down on its luck this year I, I think Tyler Legacy may not win a game in this district uh so you're going to have North Forney, you're going to have Roy City, and you're going to have Mesquite and Mesquite Horn all playing each other with meaningful games to try to determine those last two playoff teams. I don't think anybody is going to compete with Rockwell or Rockwell Heath in this district. Uh, I think those two teams will win those games by probably two or three scores at least. Uh, but those four teams are going to play some very meaningful games to determine those last two playoff spots. I think it's going to be Mesquite and Mesquite Horn. I, I've seen Mesquite Horn with my own eyes and able to calibrate them with what Mesquite has done. I think those are going to be the two teams. Uh, but North Forney has shown me if, if they can clean up some of those mistakes, uh, they could beat a team like Mesquite if they play a perfect game. But I haven't seen the perfect game out of them yet, uh, and I did not see it on Thursday night at Forney ISD. So, uh, But, you know, they've got good coaches over there, and, and I think that they certainly have a lot that they can work on that's fixable. You know, there are things that are fixable and things that are not fixable. Uh, you can't fix uh, you have having a small offensive line. You can't fix having uh, a quarterback who's not most or, or, or overthrows it by 20 yards. The mistakes I saw in North Forney, they got the players. They just got to clean up some of those mistakes. That's interesting you bring that up because uh, our boy Neil B. Easy is hitting the country roads and will be at uh, North Forney at Royce City this Friday. So that that will, I don't know if you want to call it elimination for one of them if they lose, but that'll be an interesting matchup there to see who stays in it. And going back to Rockwall, boy, I, I wasn't really ready to get behind Rockwall while Marshall was the quarterback, but once Lake Bennett got back in there, uh, you can put me on that jacket bus because he's just uh, he's just, it's just a different team when he's in there because it's he's a different running quarterback. You know, you don't try to tackle guy. He's like that Jared Lorenzen guy from Kentucky. He's just a from back in the day, just a huge guy you cannot bring down, and he's going to get four to five yards every time you get him unless you have two guys tackling him. And then if you do close him off, he's going to hit his guy. So it's 
it's a different team there when he's behind center. So I feel free back in this squad when uh, when he's behind center. Let's start talking about some of these games, man. Let's talk about the week our uh, week six rundown here. And we're starting at five six eight because three and four have the week off. And we got McKinney and Denton Braswell. And you made an interesting comment about Braswell during the week. Uh, they got broken when they played Byron Nelson. They got broken. And it, can Coldplay come in and fix you on this one? Because that's that ever since they gave up 79 points, they're just getting demolished defensively. And now they're running a McKinney team who has a running back that's incredibly difficult to bring down. You're going to need to not get – down on yourself if he rolls over you one time because it's going to happen four or five times in the game. What do you think about this game? Uh, can Braswell get fixed? And McKinney, they're finally getting to the part of the schedule where it gets a little bit more difficult for them. Yeah, it does. But if you kind of look at how they've been doing, they're kind of peaking at the right time too. Maybe they got their quarterback situation uh, figured out. Uh, maybe they filled in some of those gaps on the offensive line that I saw when they were playing Temple that – uh, the offensive line wasn't very good, but now you're starting to see uh, Jackson uh, getting these 200-yard games on, on teams, uh, whereas previously it was, you know, 12 carries for 38 yards and, and maybe one good touchdown run, uh, something to that end. He's really starting to take over, which is opening up the, the passing game to start doing some things. Uh, the defense is stepping up. McKinney is just looking like that team we thought – in the preseason would be a solid number four and would be playing competitive games with Alan Geyer and uh, Prosper uh, when they're playing the top three games. This is really the last meaningful game, in my opinion, and, and I guess McKinney and Rock Hill uh, will be the last, you know, the other one, uh, but it's Braswell's last chance. If Braswell can't win this game after having lost to Rock Hill, they're done for the year. And, and, and we'll talk later on about a team that we already wrote off but might be coming back from the grave, uh, but still will have to do some work to get there. Uh, but Denton Braswell, if they can't win this game, they are going to be completely done. And what, the way the matchups work, I, I just think McKinney is going to have a field day on Denton Braswell. Denton Braswell uh, defensively is having a hard time stopping just about anything, uh, on you know, whether it's the passing game or the running game. And McKinney's offense is, is getting to that peak level right now. I think McKinney is going to win this game by two or three scores. And uh, Denton Braswell, I think they will be done for the year after this game. Well, let's move on to 6-6-A. And, and it's one of those districts that we can't – still having trouble getting a grasp on. I know we're only been one game into it. I mean, we got two teams that seem to be really good, but nobody talks about them. And Capel and Louisville playing against each other. And we talk about Louisville from here and there, but really have talked a lot about Marcus on this on this podcast and Marcus kind of got lucky there against Hebrew. I mean, they got some late picks to do things, and now they're playing Flower Mound, and you take it among yourself to take shots of Flower Mound just to, to, to see these tears come down my face. But you throw Flower Mound against Marcus, and my boys who don't go to football games I already said, hey, are you going to take, take us to this game? And I was like, yeah, I'll get you in there, because anything can happen in that matchup. And just talk about the four matchups we have going this weekend and what you see out of them. Yeah, 6 6 A, I think, really answered a lot of questions. And, and we kind of talked about it when we were talking about the Fayombo uh, and, and how that impacted things and, and kind of ran things down from last week's view. I am increasingly worried about Coppell. You know, they're 4 0, and I know they're, they're 
we're going up some of the area rankings, but for me, they're kind of going down because the more that you learn about Coppell, the, the more scared you get. And, and they're really close to a team that can expose them. And I think Louisville is going to be that team that will expose them. When you look at, if you really dive into that game against Plano West, Plano West was able to, to get 500 yards of offense against Coppell. And, you know, they gave up two turnovers. And if it wasn't for that two turnovers, Plano West would have arguably uh, beaten Coppell. But Coppell, you know, their, their big DB, uh, Braxton Hicks, uh, continues to make plays. And he's pretty much the only defensive playmaker back there. What's that? I think you meant Braxton Myers. Well, I think Braxton Hicks is a contraction you have. See, I'm also a psychology teacher. <laughs> so you, you have the Braxton Hicks contractions and the Braxton okay. Myers defensive player. Okay. Uh, nice. And you just got to get, got to get all the all the right Braxtons involved. Uh, <laughs> na- names are not my thing, but other than that, Coppell doesn't really have a defensive playmaker. Uh, and Louisville, I think they have a lot more playmakers. I think Louisville is going to win this game going away, to be quite honest, unless Louisville does what they did against Flower Mound, gives up two or three turnovers, and, and Myers is able to get a, maybe a pick six or something. That could be the factor, but if, if it's a clean game, I think Louisville is going to win. If Coppell starts to have those fumbles or, or some turnovers, and Jack Fishball is such a good football player, uh, you know, he's, he's not very turnover prone for Coppell. He's the quarterback for Coppell. Uh, so he plays very smart football, and that's why Coppell, I think, is a big part of that 4-0 record. Uh, but Louisville has the playmakers, and I think Louisville will uh, come across with uh, Coppell and take care of business. The Mound Showdown, boy, I'll, you should talk about that because you know the history of that more than I do. You know, you can throw the records out the window. If, if we're playing Madden and, and you put Marcus on a team and you put Flower Mound on a team and we're just playing a video game mold, uh, mode, Marcus is supposed to win that game by three touchdowns. Right. But – Talk about the Mountain Showdown board. And that's exactly you. You're talking about last year too. They had that. There's no reason Marcus should have lost that game. They had uh, Dallas Dudley wide open behind the defender, and the quarterback threw it ten yards too short, and it was picked off, taken to the five, and they and Flower Mountain ended up scoring on that play, and they could never get and and took the lead there, and that just turned the whole momentum because as you know, the whole place is a madhouse. Which no matter which team is up so with flower mound getting up they just couldn't battle through that now that's when they were going through the two quarterback thing as well which uh they 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 still stand by the fact that that was the right decision i you know i have my thoughts on that as well but uh wellaford's out there now and again this should be a game that marcus wins i mean flower mound is reeling defensively but I'm not going to put it more than a you know four or five point spread for marcus even though they probably should win by 10 or more yeah, I mean, just crazy results over the last 10 years and, and maybe right. even further back uh, if you started to dive down versus what you expect and then what actually happens. Plano versus Plano West. Uh, Plano West is just one of those teams that, uh, you know, they made two mistakes versus Coppell. I think they're going to get that cleaned up, and I think they're going to beat Plano this week. Uh, they they are their record isn't ind- ind- indicative of how good they are. Uh, they had a you know a late loss against Mesquite Horn. Uh, they should have uh, you know beat Coppell last week. I, I think they're going to work out their uh, the-, the kinks in the armor, and I think they're going to beat Plano this week. Hebron versus Plano East. 
this game, you know, you would you would think I would have a lot of opinions on, but we just don't know what Plano East is going to look like with their uh, new running back situation uh, and how the game planning and all of that works. Is it, is it going to turn into more of a uh, passing team? Are they going to, uh, you know, spread it out a bit more? Are, you, are we going to see some new wrinkles? Or are they going to start, you know, maybe going with a triple wing? You know, you just don't know how, uh, how Plano East is going to game plan for Hebron after the fact that, uh, you know, both teams had really bad losses losses last week. I think Hebron has to be feeling a little bit better about their loss because they had four turnovers against uh, Marcus and only lost that game by two, a game they should have won if they didn't have a pick six late, like you talked about. Uh, Plano East, uh, they have a lot of questions and they would have beat Plano if they, if, you know, if only three of those bad things happened, uh, they didn't, you know, there was a Hail Mary late in the game, which is, I showed you the video on it, Ward. It yeah. wasn't a touchdown. <laughs> you know, they, they gave them the touchdown because of the play and, and kind of the atmosphere. And I guess if you get a Hail Mary late, you know, you, you, you give them the touchdown, but, uh, you know, the ball landed about the half yard line uh, when he fell forward. So uh, if, if that didn't happen and if Plano East only gives up three turnovers, they probably still win that game, even with that running back. Uh, injury. Uh, so, you know, what will Plano East be able to do uh, against Hebron? And, you know, Hebron had four turnovers. Plano East had five turnovers. Will that may be a factor? I think Hebron on, pa on paper is a favorite in this game, but we just don't know what we don't know. So uh, I'll be very curious to see how this game plays out. Uh, you know, will Hebron cough it up quite a bit? Will Plano East struggle with holding on to the ball? Uh, a lot of answers will be uh, answered at homecoming 2022 for Plano East. Uh, I don't think anybody is going to have a good feel confident about that game. I think Hebron going into this game is going to feel like, hey, if we don't have the turnovers, we should be able to do this. Plano East, how will they bounce back from the running back situation? I will grant Hebron as a favorite. They're peaking well. But again, four turnovers, will that kind of create, will that get in their psyche? Uh, I think Hebron is trending upward and I think uh, they'll be a good team to watch and and maybe even a district favorite the way things are going right now if they can play that consistently throughout the year they're a good football team they're trending in the right direction there you go we're starting to get some answers in 66a uh, we had our answers in 76a for a while Highland Park is the team and they will win the district but their last competitive game probably the years is Jesuit coming up and Jesuit's four and one they did they took a spanking from Rockwall but they did end up beating Lake Highlands, which was, was our de facto uh, second place game. Although, how about the Dallas Morning News putting a scare in this in the middle of Friday by putting up uh, Burtner up like 35 nothing, And they're like, oh, my fault, that's a mistake. It's Lake Highlands is actually up. For a second there, we were like, what is going on? But uh, what do you think about the Jesuit Highland Park game uh, and, and how that may turn out? Yeah, you're really right about District 7, 6A. We have about three more meaningful games in the whole district. Uh, you know, and uh, Jesuit versus Highland Park is basically for the district championship. I think it's a meaningful game, but I don't think it's a game that, at least for me, has much intrigue. I think Highland Park will be able to win this game by four scores, uh, especially at home. I think they're just going to, you know, take – and that's a big rivalry game, especially for Jesuit. Uh, I know that area is very close, and – uh, a lot of players know each other in that area, you know, that kind of play in the, 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 the park cities kind of 
athletic leagues. The, these two teams have known each other. Uh, the, the kids have known each other growing up for a while. Uh, you know, Highland Park, it might be considered Highland Park's biggest rivalry, even though you don't think of Highland Park and Jesuit as traditional rivals. But, you know, if you just consider the geography and the kids who know each other, I know Jesuit will get up for that. But I just don't think Jesuit has the athletes. I think Highland Park uh, will win this game going away. And then I think Irving MacArthur and Berkner, which is the last week of the year, is probably your only other meaningful game uh, when it comes to this district because everybody's got the buffer wins now. Uh, Jesuit is pretty much, or the loser of this game, uh, since they both have beaten Lake Highlands, are pretty much you'll have your one-two set up. Uh, Lake Highlands is pretty set at three. And then we'll find out with Berkner and uh, Irving MacArthur who will likely be your four in this district. Exactly. Now, when we go into 8-6-A, they're not saying boo, they're saying boo-ee, because they, that team is, uh, the Volunteers have turned that thing around from a 0-2 start. Talk about them and, and, and how they're playing football right now. Yeah, they, you know, we talked about it kind of earlier with Plano and, and how the, the Roy City and Plano and all these things, pieces kind of start to come together, where all of a sudden you're looking at Arlington Bowie, and Arlington Bowie may end up being the third best team in this district when all is said and done. Uh, you know, the, if you would have asked me earlier, I, I still think South Grand Prairie uh, is, is the number two team in this district with Arlington Martin being number one. Uh, but I think you're going to have Arlington, Arlington Bowie, and Arlington Lamar all fighting for the last two playoff spots. And the way Bowie is playing right now, you know, it, it looks like it's going to be them. They're going to have another game this week against Grand Prairie, where I think they'll be a, a big favorite in that game. Uh, and, and Bowie has just found it. Like that one play against Plano, and it, it was a viral play, uh, that, that uh, I think it's Varson who just, you know, ran 150 yards to get uh, that 60 yards. And, and Bowie, the confidence from that play has carried over for two straight weeks. And I think it's going to carry over for a third straight week. And Arlington Bowie can be competitive with South Grand Prairie as well. They may they may have found a switch in that, in that one moment. And, and seasons turn around in one moment. You see it all the time. Uh, Arlington Bowie looks like that team. Absolutely. A lot of missed tackles in that Plano thing, but it was enough to give them that momentum to, to get to where they're at right now. Uh, let's move over to 9-6-A. I like that matchup between Garley and Wiley East. I know you're going to be at Wiley Lakeview Centennial, but I'm interested to see how that uh, Garland-Wiley East game turns out. Yeah, Garland, I think by most will be considered an underdog, but I think they might really feed off of that because uh, people are still underestimating Garland. And this is in and Garland said this is still their district. They've, and there's been nothing to, to prove otherwise. They're three and oh in the district. I think they're going to be a playoff team. They had the one week against McKinney North where all of a sudden we think Garland is down, but McKinney North is looking good. Uh, as as calibration continues on, uh, Wiley East just defensively they they've been able to shut teams down. Offensively they've done just enough. I don't think this is going to be a big point spread, but I think Wiley East will win this game pretty comfortably. I think they'll get up early and and then kind of trade touchdowns and maybe go from two scores to one score back and forth. Uh, but I think in in my head Wiley East wins this game by between seven and ten points, but a game that's really never in doubt. Absolutely. And talk about uh, Wiley against Lakeview Centennial. We kind of talked on Twitter about how this may be a, a for fourth place type deal. And, and you'll be at this one, right? Yeah, Thursday night at Homer B. Johnson, Wiley and Lakeview Centennial. And this is why I don't like committing to games much past the week, because if we would have talked about this at the beginning of the year, we would have said, ah, you know, Wiley and Lakeview Centennial, that's not going to be a good game. All of a sudden, it's a very good game. And I think it's the best game in Thursday to watch. Uh, and I know some big dogs are coming to this game because you, you look around the area, it's a bye week. Uh, all of a sudden, Wiley versus Lakeview Centennial. 
But when you look at the matchups, Wiley has been very good against the run this year. They've been able to shut down a lot of running games. Lakeview Centennial really relies on the run, and they're able to uh, generate the passing game from that run game. When you look at that matchup, I think Wiley will win this game in like a 14-7 to kind of a battle. But again, turnovers, special teams, those are going to be the factors that could get Lakeview Centennial uh, to that next level, or if they're able to hit a long pass, and uh, because Wiley's been prone to do that. I just don't know if Lakeview Centennial has the offensive ability to, to take advantage of a 70 or 80 yard pass uh, quarterback and wide receiver consistency. I haven't seen Lake, uh, Lakeview Centennial this year to, to know that, uh, but just kind of looking at the trends and the matchups, I think Wiley will, will win a, uh, a knockdown drag out fight. All right, we talked a lot about 10-6A earlier, but maybe give me a quick hitter on this North Forney uh, Country Roads game against Royce City. Yeah, and, and just to kind of advertise that Neil Beasley's been doing a great job. That's I don't watch all of our prepackaged stuff. I know that you're, you're you hate to hear that kind of a stuff. I do hate to a lot hear of times that. I see it, you know, I, I'm like, I'm there, so I don't do it. Uh, but Neil, Neil's work is a stop down for me every week. I got to go see what he, just his energy and his enthusiasm. So I encourage you, if, if you, if you love the DQ game of the week back in the day, Neil Beasley's doing a great job with the country roads game of the week. Uh, they're fun to listen to, fun to watch. And, and his, the way he sees games, is just very creative. Uh, I think Royce City is going to bounce back this week. Uh, they've had two weeks to prepare for this game. Uh, and, and, I'm, I'm putting a little bit less impetus on that loss against Arlington Bowie now that I'm seeing what Arlington Bowie is doing. I think Roy City is going to give us a good bounce back week this week. I think they're going to take care of North Forney in a pretty significant way. Uh, I think they're going to win this game by two scores, and then we're going to be asking, is Roy City back? Kind of like we're talking about with Arlington Bowie. Is Arlington Bowie back? All right, Dixie, let's move on to 5A. Uh, specifically 3-5A Division One. We have Azel taking on Justin Northwest. Uh, two teams trying to find their footing. Uh, talk to me about this game, and do we even know? Should I text my man Poe and see how Jake Strong is doing? Or see, we know for sure he's not going to be playing. Uh, you, you can you can send him a text message. I'd like to get that information as well. Uh, but Azel, you know, we talk about teams throughout the year that seem to figure something out. Uh, and you look at last week, Azel beat Brewer like 54-0, 52-0, and it was a completely unexpected result. And not only was it an unexpected result that it happened, I actually picked Brewer in that game, but how it happened. Azel just completely dominated uh, Fort Worth Brewer. And you looked at uh, Justin Northwest, who had a big win over Brewer as well, and you kind of think to yourself, okay, you know, Justin Northwest, they figured it out. They got that buffer win. Things are going well. And then all of a sudden, Azel, you know, a team that we've kind of written off dead uh, they're 0-4 at the time they they win a game by 54 and now they've got Justin Northwest who is a little bit on the ropes who's got some injuries and if Azel has figured this out the calibration with the, the forward brewer games would indicate that Azel might be a slight favorite in this game but if you look at the season as a totality uh, Justin Northwest is a is a favorite so this is one of those games that if Azel wins I'll, you know I think it'll be kind of widely thought of as a big shock it wouldn't shock me when you look at the last couple of weeks. I'm still, all that being said, I'm still going to take Justin Northwest in this game. But it's one of those games that all of a sudden is a, a, a mega important game in this district as far as it relates to the fourth playoff spot. Because if Azel can get that win over Justin Northwest, they will have a win over Northwest and Brewer. And that kind of might get the colony back involved. I, I mean, this is a huge game. Uh, so can Azel put the lightning in a bottle for one more week and overcome Northwest? Yeah, but again, the, the trends tell me that uh, it's not likely, but 
after what I saw last week, anything is possible with Hazel. And if they, they happen to win and win big, that, that gives you all kinds of momentum in the locker room. Where like, we, like you said, anything can happen. But, man, I tell you what, it's funny when we talk about this district, uh, all during the summer we're like, I can't wait for Ryan to play Alito. But as soon as this season started, I can't wait for next week when Ryan plays Centennial because I know it's going to be our country roads game because Burleson counts us out there in the country roads. But it's going to be – and I'd love – like you talked about Neil Beasley – I'd love to see his uh, see this game through his lens, especially on the Monday or Tuesday little thing we do on social media, which gets to go three and a half minutes long. It's, it's going to be something else. We're going to talk about it next week, so I won't say too much about it now, but I, I'm still antsy to see that game because we haven't, uh, as a as a inside expert sports entity, we haven't seen Ryan all year, and, and this will probably be their first time that they get on our air and they're playing a team that is just going to be rolling along in Centennial. But let's move on to 4 or 5 a uh, division one where they have a lot of winning teams in this one, not including Ellison and Cleburne, but everybody else has had a successful start to their season. And we have Shoemaker taking on uh, Red Oak, which is a, a very enticing game. Oh, it's absolutely an enticing game. And, and you said it right. I know you're not a big fan of me shoehorning these Colleen ISD schools and, and talking about it, but Red Oak is a team that, you know, you, you look at it and, you know, Shoemaker, they beat, uh, they beat, uh, Lake Belton by one point and Red Oak lost to Lake Belton by one point. Then you look at the fact that uh, Shoemaker, they beat uh, Colleen Ellison by eight and then Red Oak, they beat Colleen Ellison by seven. So you keep looking at this and this is just all intention, or, you know, all calibration says that this is going to be a one possession, one point game either way. I think Shoemaker has shown to uh, be a little bit better at those games. Obviously, Red Oak has been no slouch this year, uh, but it's going to be a fun game. Of course, it may end up being Red Oak winning 42 to nothing, and we just put our hands up in the air and go, we don't know anything about anything anymore. Yeah. Uh, but uh, all the calibration says that this is just going to be a fantastic game. Uh, I'm going to put my money on the defense of Shoemaker, uh, but Red Oak, you know, they've been playing with their food a lot this year. If they can put it together for 48 minutes, I'm sure that's what their coaches are preaching to them in the locker room. They can beat Shoemaker for sure. Well, moving on to 5-5A Division One, uh, we're going to have James – at Birdville against uh, Timberview. We probably know what's going to happen there, but we haven't seen Timberview this year. And Birdville, I mean, you kind of agree, will be the second-place team, but it's probably not going to be super close. It's still probably going to be a 20-point game. But you want to talk about Richland and the upstart uh, W.T. White Longhorns who have beaten their opponents, I believe it's like 106-6 to over the the last two games. Are, Are they ready to give Richland a game? I don't think they're ready to give Richland a game. I, I do like the Timberview versus Birdview game. I'll be That'll be one I'll, I'll check out the highlights on just to kind of see uh, the offensive line mismatches to see how well Timberview is able to move the ball. Uh, and I know James will tell that story fantastically. I think, you know, a lot of people have that game as a four or five touchdown spread. I think Birdville will hang around a little bit more. You know, we, we've talked about it all year. I'm not as high on, on Timberview as you are. I, I know you, you're just ready to go ahead and crown Timberview as um, state champions. Just you know, ignore Longview, Lancaster, <laughs> ignore all that. 
just get Timberview up there as the, the heir apparent. Uh, but I, I think Timberview is, is a little bit under those teams as far as that goes. Uh, but Richland versus W.T. White. Uh, W.T. White has been playing fantastic football. Like you said, Richland has just been blowing everybody out. So I think all of a sudden W.T. White's going to come in there uh, and, and give Richland a little bit of a tussle. So I'll be interested in the point spread of this game. If Richland can beat W.T. White by 50-60, something like that, I think Richland's going to give Timberview a pretty good game. But if this is one of those games kind of like Grapevine and Northside was, and we'll talk about that when we get to 5A Division Two, as my reason why I think Colleyville Heritage is going to be grapevine. Well, a little spoiler alert there for you. Spoiler. Only got two minutes to listen, and I got golf <laughs> games in here. Uh, then uh, I, I think Richland, if, if they can beat uh, WT White in a significant way, I think they're going to give uh, t- be a problem for Timberview. So I'll be I'll be fascinated by this game and how it plays out. Much le- you know, much more than the winner. I think a lot, most people will pick Richland in this game. Uh, if WT White is able to play tough with them. I think I might put them in my fourth playoff spot instead of Newman Smith. All right. There we go. Uh, let's move on to 6-5A Division One. Now, we talked uh, – we already pulled the plug on Wakeland, and now we are scrambling trying to find an outlet to get it back in there and, and get the pads out to bring them back because they should have beat Reedy and didn't because they gave up the punt return at the end. They did beat Lone Star, who – Lone Star has their injury bug hitting them right now. What's happening with Wakeland? Where are we putting them? I'm always riding your back on these deals, and you you told me to pull the plug on. Are we putting it back in, or what's happening? It, it's hard because Wakeland still has to do a lot more to, to get back into the playoff mix. And it, it's really going to come down to Wakeland versus Frisco, and Frisco is currently 3-0 and right now, uh, but Frisco hasn't played any of the big dogs, so we're still going to get to see Frisco versus Heritage, Frisco versus Reedy, and Frisco versus Lone Star. Uh, and if they lose a couple of those games and all of a sudden – uh, when they play Wakeland later on in the season, that game could be a game that could get Wakeland back into the playoffs with a tiebreaker. So uh, Wakeland isn't quite there yet because, you know, they've lost to Heritage and Heritage will have a tiebreaker over them if it's just Wakeland and, uh, and, and Heritage straight up. Heritage has already won that tiebreaker. But Wakeland, I mean, we talked about them so warm you know lovingly in the campfire we got around our campfire and and we, and we uh we let that campfire keep us warm in the summer and uh we, we we rubbed our hands together and it was wakeland season because they beat highland park last uh year and then they played college station pretty well and then they come out this year and, and grapevine knocks them and then they play brewer they beat brewer uh but it wasn't a convincing win and then all of a sudden they lose to heritage and we're just like throwing our hands up uh, in the air, like, what are we going to do with this team? And then the Reedy game, uh, Wakeland looks like they've figured it out, but is it too little too late? And it's just going to come down to things that are not in their control, except for the fact that they can beat Frisco. And if they can beat Frisco, all of a sudden we're going to be dealing with tiebreakers. So not only are they going to have to beat Frisco, but they're probably going to have to beat them by quite a lot. But if you think about this, Ward, I would like to kind of create a hypothetical for you. All let's, right. Let's you got your Timberview, who you're crowning as the state champion. State champs. The playoffs work. You got 5-5-A-1 versus 6-5-A-4 in the first round. What if Wakeland beats Frisco, but the way seeding works, they end up as a four seed? And now we got Wakeland versus Timberview in the first round after Wakeland has figured mm-hmm. it out and has beat Lone Star, should have beat uh, should have beat uh, Reedy, Reedy, and then they beat Frisco but they end up as a four seed and they're playing Timberview in the first round of the playoffs. Oh boy. Well, I guess Wakeland's done the way you have me talking over here, that Timberview's going to win state. 
But that would be one heck of a game because Timberview would have gone through the back half of their schedule where they hadn't played anybody and they're suddenly playing a hot Wakeland team. Boy, that would be a good playoff matchup for sure. I'm sure you would have cameras out there if that hypothetical uh, came came about. But that's what Wakeland has to do. they got to overcome these tiebreakers that are against them because they, they have to overcome the Reedy loss and the Heritage loss. Uh, but they, they already have Lone Star, and now all of a sudden Lone Star is looking a little bit weak. They're looking for their first uh, non-district win, and, and Frisco Liberty is, is the kind of team that uh, revitalizes teams. We saw that with Frisco Reedy last week. Frisco Reedy kind of figured it back out uh, after when Liberty came to town, and now Lone Star is going to get Liberty this week. Uh, but Wakeland is definitely in the mix, but they still got to beat Frisco because if they can't beat Frisco, then they're going to be sitting there with three losses and Frisco Heritage is likely going to have three losses. So they're going to have to get another team with three losses to be part of that tiebreaker. And right now I don't see how it works out. Still a lot of football left, but Wakeland uh, looking really good and, and they have a much higher ceiling than Frisco Heritage is. In fact, in our rankings that you can find on our website uh, yeah. and through our newsletter, uh, I've got Wakeland higher ranked than Heritage, even though Heritage beat them because of the fact that Heritage, uh, to me, has a higher ceiling. Uh, they got that really good quarterback and they've got some uh, beasts uh, on the offensive line and on the defensive line. They started out slow. You can't start out slow in the high school football, but I think they figured it out. There you go. All right, well, let's drop down to Division Two, another interesting district, 3-5A Division Two, because you talked about Heritage. They're one losses to Independence, who uh, who also has taken the liberty of beating up some on some other teams that, that aren't that good, but they are at 4-0, and a lot of teams are undefeated in this district. Uh, but the only team that's really playing some uh, solid opponents is Argyle, and we kind of expected that out of Argyle. But Lake Dallas is undefeated. Emerson is surprisingly undefeated. And they beat the team that Independence is playing uh, this week, which is a game that I will be at. Uh, Independence is playing Denton. Is this game for – is this game a possible elimination game here, or what's happening? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be an elimination game for Denton. If Denton win, if Denton can't win this game, uh, they're going to basically be out of the playoffs. And, and Frisco Memorial is a team that, even though they're sitting at one and four, I think they have a really good chance to uh, get better. You know, we've talked about all of these teams like Cedar Hill and South Grand Prairie and Euless Trinity uh, that have uh, very uh, – backloaded schedules to where that they can they can get on a run and Frisco Memorial is one of those teams I think can get on a run I didn't if they can't win this game I don't think them getting on a run really matters because I don't think they're going to be at the level of Argyle uh, or Frisco Emerson uh, and we already saw them lose last week Uh, so I think that they're going to have to uh, you know they, they, this is an important game. They're going to have to throw the kitchen sink at Frisco Independence. Uh, but I think Frisco Independence will win this game. I think it'll be a little bit closer. I think it'll be a one to two score game. Uh, but Frisco Independence will uh, take Denton and, and take them out. And I think our four playoff teams will be pretty much locked in with Argyle, Lake Dallas, Emerson, and Independence. But right now, if you ask me to like, okay, Lake Dallas, Frisco Emerson, Frisco Independence, rank them, I don't know right now. Right. And, uh, Memorial, I think that they, they will have something. I think they're going to get a win over one of those teams. It may not get them into the top four, but I think uh, I'd be shocked if Frisco Memorial doesn't at least knock off one of those teams and, and a little bit of an upset. Well, do you think one of those teams could be Lake Dallas? What, do, what is your thoughts on Lake Dallas? I mean, they're 5-0, and but they haven't played anybody. Granted, they have beaten the pants off the teams that they played, and Frisco Centennial is a decent squad, but and, and they held, that was a six-point game there, but what what have you done a deep dive on Lake Dallas? Obviously, it's not the team from five six years ago with Dallas with Hayne out there 
uh, limping around, throwing touchdown passes in that thriller against Lone Star, which propelled Lone Star into the state final. But talk to me about that team, and could Memorial sneak up and get that spot? You know, I, I don't know which one it would be because I like the fact that like Dallas, even though that they've been beating bad teams, as you've noted, they've been beating bad teams convincingly. And, when, and yeah. when you look at some of these teams that they've been beating, Frisco Centennial, I mean, that was a team that beat Richardson by 41 earlier in the year. And then Princeton, Princeton's been playing some good football at times as well. Beating Grand Prairie the way they did. I know Grand Prairie is down this year uh, and, and Princeton's down this year by any means. Princeton had a nice win over Lebanon Trail. They played Sherman very closely. Uh, they played Poteet very closely. Uh, Greenville got them. You know, I think Princeton might be uh, out of punches as far as that goes, but they've played some very competitive games as well. But then all of a sudden, Lake Dallas uh, just completely thumped them. Uh, so I don't know if Lake Dallas is the team. For me, Lake Dallas is my number two in this district. I think for Frisco uh, Memorial, they're going to have to get Emerson. I think that's really their mm -hmm. best chance because Emerson is young uh, and Frisco Memorial has been there. I mean, they've been that young team in that district being, uh, you know, them and Lebanon Trail being the two new teams in there. Uh, so I think their experience might give them a chance to knock off a team like Emerson uh, after Emerson is high. But uh, my guy, Coach Miller over there, he is doing something great with that uh, Emerson team, and they keep finding ways to win. My man, Dixie, that's why you you lead this podcast. That's why you're the uh, – it's digging for wisdom because he always brings the insight. Superstar digs, they call him. Uh, let's talk about uh, some really key games in – in, Four or five A Division two, both games we will be at. James will be at one, and uh, we'll bring the NBC crew out at the other. But the one that James is going to be at, Odie Wyatt and Arlington Heights, and 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 Coach Coach Young got me so psyched up about the Yellow Jackets when we talked to him during the campfire, and I haven't had a chance to go out there. But boy, oh boy, was he right so far? They're undefeated. They're they're playing great football. They had that close one against Waco University, but they stomped out everybody else and they have the momentum and they're playing another undefeated team at Odie Wyatt. Man, what are your thoughts on this one, which will be at Farrington Field? Yeah, Odie Wyatt just keeps finding ways to win games. I mean, they beat Lincoln by a point, they beat Dunbar by three points, uh, and they beat Southwest by eight points in a, in a one-score game. So they keep just knocking out these little, you know, one-score wins. But Arlington Heights, you know, they put a little bit more flair behind uh, their wins. I know we talked about the Waco University game as, as that one game. But Panther Creek, that's a nice win, especially when you look at what Panther Creek is did to North Dallas earlier and then beating Joshua the way they did. If you remember, Joshua already beat uh, Fort Worth Southwest uh, in, in a game that was a one point game. And, and they were pretty much up on Joshua that whole game uh, had their way with them. I think uh, Arlington Heights is uh, probably one score better than O.D. Wyatt. Uh, but I think they're going to have to win that game by more than one score because O.D. White has been so good in these one-score games. They're comfortable with that. Uh, so I think uh, Arlington Heights is going to have to win one of those 10 to 14-point games uh, and, and get out on them early and kind of stay up on them because if O.D. White is in the fourth quarter and it's a one-score game, I think they're going to feel the confidence to say, hey, we've got this. Uh, but it's going to be a fascinating game. But I, I like the optimism. Uh, and, and I think that optimism that you talked about uh, when I, I went back and watched the coaches – 
the cut the, the extended cut of that uh you know they you know, he is fired up about this team and, and i see why he is this year uh, and i think they're gonna uh, keep going on I, I don't think they're at the grapevine uh colleyville heritage level which we'll be talking about our nbc five game of the week uh but i do I, that that Donnie and the crew will be out at least that i don't know if it's our game of the week but it's at least their game of the week uh but uh, i think that uh, this is going to be a sneaky good game and uh, i've got uh, arlington heights winning this game and probably taking the third seed in this district yeah for those of you who didn't see the campfire coach young talked about how they brought a couple two three players back from brewer who were convinced to go to brewer during their old coaching coaching regime and then that coaching regime kind of blew up and they were like okay i want to go back home to arlington heights and and they're back and of course they brought Ashawn robinson in he's showing everybody his uh his Super Bowl championship ring and, and just giving him motivational stuff. And boy, he got me riled up for the season. So I'm excited about that one. Uh, Heritage against Grapevine is NBC's game of the week. It's also our game of the week. We usually cover this every year, but this one has so much more meaning because they're in the same district now. It's in the middle of the season instead of the non-district. Uh, Park and Polk is going crazy right now, just doing everything for Grapevine. And I feel like he's been there forever. Uh, Colleyville Heritage gets to, in the games they win, they've, they've kind of put up some big numbers and they got to rest uh, Weston Smith for a little bit. Talk about this game, and this is obviously for the district title. What do you feel about this one? Go in depth on this tip. Yeah, I mean, I, the the season of Grapevine has been a bit of a roller coaster for me. You know, my relationship with Grapevine, because uh, we had that very first night, uh, and we were just kind of talking about how Wakeland was going to beat Grapevine and how how big of a uh, you know how big of a win Gra- or Wakeland was going to get on them. Yeah. And all the not to go. You remember? Scores. What's that? And then all of a sudden, Grapevine beats them by three scores. After yeah. I convinced you that that's the worst game of the week. <laughs> Why would you go to that game? I was told, but. Let's not go back to that. Let's let's move forward. We like to press on. We do. And then they beat Azel. And 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 all of a sudden, you know, okay, you know, they beat Azel pretty well. But now all of a sudden it's like Wakeland and Azel didn't really get it figured out for a couple of weeks. So how good are those games? And then they play Argyle and Argyle just pretty much had their way with them. It was a defensive battle in the first half. Uh, but Argyle on the second half just uh, knocked them out, and all of a sudden, this big offense that had put up 49 points against Wakeland and 58 against Hazel couldn't manage anything against Argyle. And and you saw Argyle against Lovejoy, and what was that, 42-42 at halftime? Yeah. Yep. I mean, so obviously people can score against Argyle, and and Grapevine just couldn't get anything going on. And then when you really dig in, have a deep uh, dig into that Northside game against uh, Grapevine, that game was a one-score game going into halftime. That really worries me about Grapevine. Uh, Colleyville Heritage obviously has some things to figure out. The Ennis game is a game where you kind of look at and go, ah, I don't know about that. Texas High beat them pretty big. Uh, but, you know, I think Colleyville Heritage has, hasn't figured out right now. I think, Colley, you know, more than me thinking, having confidence that Colleyville Heritage hasn't figured out, I just don't know how – I'm still doubting Grapevine. Uh, and they did get a signature win over Wakeland. Nobody can take that away from them. That's a big win. Uh, but they may have peaked early in the season. You know, we talked about Rockwall in previous uh, DFW podcasts. Uh, one of the things that is our knock-on uh, on Rockwall is that they peak too early. And this year looks like that they've, they're they peaking at the right time. They're kind of getting better with each week. Grapevine, we may have seen Grapevine's best football in week one and week two. Uh, and if, if that is the case, I think Colleyville Heritage wins this game. Interesting, interesting. And uh, 
let me check real quick who the home squad is. It looks like Kyle O'Harris is supposed to be home, so they have to go sit over on the busted bleachers on the other side, and that's not going to be used. To, you know, Grapevine fans don't like sitting over on that side. So that will that play into effect? I don't know. Probably not. But yeah. I just like to bring it up anyway. We'll go and answer that for you. No, it won't. <laughs> no, it won't make a difference. Let's move into zone play over here in 6-5A Division Two. We got Seagaville taking on uh, Hillcrest, who got that overtime loss to Emerson, but then they came on strong and, and won the last uh, four games, against, in, including against the Wilmer Hutchins team. It's got a good defensive squad there. What do you think about uh, the matchup between the Dragons and Hillcrest? Yeah, when you look at these zone games, there's only so many few games that really matter. And one of the games that mattered was last week. Uh, it was one of my upset picks. I took Conrad to beat uh, Woodrow Wilson. I, I was feeling good about it. Uh, and then uh, Woodrow Wilson beats Conrad 54 nothing, just like I had yeah. Brewer. I was feeling good about Brewer beating Azel, and Azel beats him 54 nothing. Then you just kind of throw up your hands and wonder what you know about high school football when you see those kind of things happen. Uh, but Seagaville is right there with Conrad as a team that I thought could compete with Hillcrest and Woodrow Wilson for uh, the top two spots in the zone as we go into the zone playoffs. Uh, and and if, if he, Hillcrest can't, if, if Seagaville can't beat Hillcrest, I would say that they're pretty much done with the playoffs as well. And if you look at what Seagaville has done the last couple of weeks, uh, they started out strong for the last couple of weeks. They've uh, been a little bit shaky. So I think Hillcrest uh, will win this game, I think, by two scores. Uh, but really, this is the last chance for a Seagaville or, uh, or Conrad to kind of get into that top tier with Woodrow Wilson and Hillcrest. Conrad had their chance with uh, Woodrow Wilson. It didn't work out. So if Seagaville is going to have their chance with Hillcrest, Will it work out? We'll find out uh, when uh, the, the results are uh, tallied out. But I think Hillcrest uh, is, is peaking at the right time. I think they're going to beat Seagaville uh, by two scores. Excellent. All right, let's move down and hit some 4A games real quick. Uh, Stephenville against Brownwood, though, that the history of those two teams are something as it is, and, and they're both playing pretty good football as well. Talk about this game. More than talking about this game, because I can't speak, you know, too confidently on uh, on especially Brownwood. I know Brownwood had a nice one over Glen Rose, which is uh, relevant to that. But Stephenville, let's look at Stephenville's five games this year, because I think that's the you know the fascinating story. They beat Midlothian Heritage 49-42 by a touchdown. If you remember the crazy ending with Everman, they beat them 62-61. They had a nice win against Decatur, but Decatur is a team getting better. Uh, that's really their only anomaly. Uh, then they beat Abilene Wiley 56 to 49, and then they beat Wichita Falls Ryder 43 to 42. You know, if you take a camera crew out there, Ward, you're guaranteed some touchdowns. You're guaranteed right. uh, some offensive explosions when it comes to that. Uh, and, and Brownwood, Stephenville, this is probably one of the times in a while. I've, I remember as a uh, as a burgeoning uh, high school football reporter on the Plano East bye week about 15 years ago, I went down and, and, and covered a Brownwood versus Stephenville game. And uh, they had fireworks and Tarleton was all, you know, it's just a, a big rivalry down there, but then they've kind of been split up in different classifications. Uh, so I'm glad to see them getting this uh, game back together. Uh, and Brownwood is a team that is four and one. They lost to Abilene Wiley 30 to 24. Uh, we saw Stephenville beat Abilene Wiley by a touchdown, uh, but they look like they figured it out. They beat Glen Rose 17 to three, which is a team that I have as my number one team in 3A Division two or 4A Division two. Uh, and then they beat Waco Connolly, a team that is on the rise as well 52 to 21 this is a bit of an upset watch but the way Stephenville has been running it down and running it 
uh, right. I think uh, uh, you have to take Stephenville, but I would not be shocked to see Brownwood make a statement, finally knocking off uh, the rabbit foot of uh, Stephenville. Stephenville. Stephenville got two things going for them. They score a lot of points, and they know how to win close ball games, whether it's by hook or by crook, uh, the way they got Everman that game. Let's move uh, move over to Wilbur Hutchins. They're taking on the new school of Panther Creek. Uh, I saw Wilmer Hutchins last week. Now, I got there at the second half, so they didn't, their offense did not show me much, but their defense showed me a lot. So talk to me a little bit about this one. Yeah, this is a fascinating matchup because, you know, part of me wants to take Frisco Panther Creek in an upset because of the way they beat North Dallas. North Dallas had been looking pretty good, like a team that you think is, is a team that can compete for the fourth playoff spot. And I do think Frisco uh, Panther Creek is going to be a playoff team in this district. Uh, but can they beat a team like Wilmer Hutchins? Can they be competitive with a team like Wilmer Hutchins? They're just so young. And, and I don't know if that's going to, you know, if, if that will travel against their defense. Uh, but man, this is a fascinating game. My heart is telling me I need to pick an upset. So I'm going to take Panther Creek to beat uh, Wilmer Hutchins, even though I would acknowledge that Wilmer Hutchins is probably a better team than Panther Creek. But yeah, I just find a, find a way to win, win this kind of a game. And, and when you kind of were breaking down the Pinkston game last week, a lot of mistakes, a yeah. lot of just unforced errors, but a good defense, good, a lot of good athletes. I think Frisco Panther Creek, if they can play disciplined football, kind of like we saw Emerson against uh, Hillcrest, not that Hillcrest has been known to play an undisciplined brand of football, uh, but they stuck around in there and found a way to win it late. I think Panther Creek is going to do the same thing uh, and pull a slide upset over Wilmer Hutchins. Stick around, uh, you know, just keep it within a score and find a way to win it late. This new Frisco teams are doing some magic there on the football field. I like to see it. Uh, our last game we want to talk about, let's talk about Hershey against Decatur. Uh, we were just at Decatur for the Country Roads game where they, they took it to Alvarado, a nice little homecoming action there with Neil Beasley there. And now they got Hershey. Uh, they're traveling there up there. So talk to me about that game. You know, we, we, we've talked about it multiple times in this broadcast uh, with Azel and, and Wakeland about a team that's figuring it out at the right time. Decatur is that team that is, is figuring it out at the right time. Uh, you know, and you saw it in the uh, Country Roads game of the week against Alvarado. A lot of people had that as a one-score game. I was feeling pretty good that that Decatur was going was to level up and, and take care of Alvarado, and, and they sure did. I mean, they're looking great. They got the College Station quarterback or College Station uh, coach that came in from over there. Uh, Decatur has invested a lot of money into their football program uh, with that College Station uh, coaching hire came a couple of players uh, that I, I think are figuring it out at the small school level. Uh, Hershey is going to be on paper a big favorite, uh, but when you look at that, uh, you know, Decatur has been overcoming those favorites for the last couple of weeks. I think Hershey is going to win this game, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. I think Hershey wins this game by one score. Uh, Decatur is going to be one of the best teams that is two and four after this game. Uh, I think they have a chance to, you know, win their region uh, with Springtown in there as the only team that they really have to worry about. Uh, Hershey is just that good. I mean, you remember that Hershey and the Stephenville game, going back to, to referencing Stephenville, uh, then Hershey drops to Division II, uh, and I think they're, uh, you know, they're going to peak at the right time. Uh, but I think it's a fascinating game. If it, if it were in Decatur, that would have been a good game to take the country roads uh, crew out there to cover those athletes for Hershey because uh, uh, Brock can tell you that Hershey's got some athletes out there, uh, but Decatur's got a very disciplined style of uh, defense and I think their offense is, is finding their footing at the right time. 
Hershey is, is, is susceptible uh, to the long play against them. And if Decatur can capitalize on that, maybe get one or two turnovers, I think we might be talking about uh, on Saturday, like Diggs talked about, that that might be an upset. That is definitely a game I've got on upset watch, despite the fact I think there's a pretty wide disparity between Hershey and Decatur as far as athletic ability. But Decatur is peaking at the right time, and Hershey, you know, they've been kind of playing down to their opponents at times. So keep an eye on this game. It's going to be a fascinating game to watch. It'll be one I'll be looking at Friday night uh, to see if Decatur is able to uh, to make a statement, even in a loss. That's something that you see a lot in high school, and it's it probably comes because the kids are so young. But the the playing down to their competition mindset, it's 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 something that's very real. You go into a game and you're like, oh god, I'm gonna, we're going to kill this team, and I don't have to give it my best effort. But the ones that you see that go six rounds deep in the playoffs don't do that. They if they're going to if they have your foot on your neck, that's that foot is going to press down on it, and it's over for you. So we'll see how that things goes. Now that we talked about all the games and pretty much every game that we talked about, we will have or the games that we are going to, we have talked about except for a couple. I will also be at uh, Lone Star and Liberty only because it's close to close to the independence game. So maybe I can see what is going on with Rayburn's team and, and how these injuries really do affect him, but I don't expect him to have much problem against Liberty, but we don't talk a lot about the, private school ranks, but there's a really good one in the SBC with the Bel Air Episcopal playing ESD. They're both undefeated. It should be a great game and it's one of the two birds, one stone game for us in inside high school sports because it's a Houston team against the Dallas team. So you'll see it for us Houston listeners of the DFW podcast, which I don't know if there's many. Look for them Bel Air Episcopal highlights. Well, I, I was about to get mad at you, Ward. If you threw that over to me for insight, I was just going to put that right back on over to you. Like, tell us about ESD and how it's going to match up against that Bel Air. Like, hey, the one time I went to ESD, I saw Troy Aikman on the sidelines, which is not a big thing for me, but for some people, they they would uh, fall out if they saw oh, number eight out there with this lager or whatever the heck he's selling these days. So we got 10 good games coming at you. We got a, I just finished shooting a story with LD Bell. We're going to talk to their defense quarter, Eric Vance. He actually played for the the Blue Raiders back in the late or early 90s when they were actually a dominant team, late 80s. From right around 82 to 91, they were winning a lot of games. And they haven't won, gone 5-0 and since a decade. 2012, they went 6-0, and wound up being 7-4. and with, with It's the last time they went to the playoffs, too. They are very hype over there, and they're glad they're at their bye week, and they realize that they, the back end of their schedule was pretty stacked, but they are feeling good about getting a playoff and, and playoff spot. And the difference there this year, I think, is with the coach, T.J. Dibble. I mean, he's got roots at L.D. Bell. The other hires they've made maybe in the past years are just guys that wanted to get going on their job, you know, head coaching career. But this guy believes in it, and his dad was coaching down there uh, back when he was a young, younger and his wife is a teacher as well. And, and they're, they got roots in LD Bell. So he believes in this program and he knows what they can be. And he's got them going right now. They're five and zero. Uh, they hit the bye week, so they're going to take it easy. And next week, if they start hitting the tough games, they got weather for next week. Are, are you bad mouthing Coach Smith over there? Well, you know, since he's now a, a big college coach, he just LD Bell is that. Springboard for for success. I'm not bad mouthing him. I'm not bad mouthing Glaze, but I just know this this guy Devil was uh, he 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 loves himself some Blue Raiders from the get go. Now, yeah. we're, giving, 
but but you know not sometimes when you have a, a coaching hire on the other side of that who would have thought that we'd have ld bell at five and oh with a a coach who's got the ld bell roots and then we got trinity with oh and five he's got uh tr- he's got trinity roots that's true that's true and bell the players at least you know i got coach talk from the coaches but they definitely are looking forward to you know five, five weeks from now because they've heard that mess down the street for about 20 some years and they're they're ready to actually challenge for a win in one of those games now we have a bobblehead coming up to uh javion taviano he'll get one this week and went back and, and watched his brother get one from our show uh probably about six seven years ago juma got one very soft-spoken guy and jv is soft-spoken as well but, but the thing about whenever a martin guy wins a bobblehead coach wager definitely gets him suited up so can't wait to see what kind of suit i'm going to see on jv when he comes in to get his bobblehead because i know if if i know coach wager he'll be on the phone with him before he drives out hey man make sure you get that uh that nice brooks baker whatever their highest suit is these days get that gucci suit on and get out there yeah, and it was, I actually enjoyed the uh, Kyle Parker bobblehead from yeah. this, just getting to relive his 23 receptions, uh, you know, and he had a very optimistic view about Lovejoy. Obviously, I don't think he was going to come on there and, and say, you know, I agree with Diggs that this quarterback <laughs> situation is trash, and then all of a sudden, Doni's head is exploding, like, cut, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, we're going to have that, but, you know, he spoke very, very well about that quarterback or the wide receiver room, uh, hyped all of his players up, so that was also a, a good listen to as well. Yep, and uh, I guess finally Joe Hoyt's going to talk about some of the receivers going to Texas Tech this year. You already talked a little bit about Valson from uh, Bowie, but Caleb Smith is also going to go there. It's kind of that Texas Tech way, even with Joey McGuire coming in there. You get those quick slot receivers that can fly in there and West, West Welker this thing all the way down to the end zone or Michael Crabtree this thing. So that he's got another couple solid DFW receivers coming down next year. And Joe Hordor analyzed that. Did a good job analyzing those things and uh, look forward to see what he has to say. So it sounds like we have a loaded show. Do we have golf on right before it or anything that's going to give you hard work? All it's going to do is get me depressed. Don't bring up golf. Although one of the guys that analyzed it, Steve Sands, is a, he used to work with me in Richmond. He's a good friend of mine. I love the fact that he shot up through the ranks. Uh, he's now the big golf analyst for NBC and the Golf Channel, but me and him have stories from way back in the 90s. Good guy. So I didn't feel bad about seeing him on the screen, but I did feel bad about those that tune in on Saturday. They didn't get to see anything. They had to wait till Sunday after Broncos and 49ers. Terrific game. 11 to 10. Well, right. that'll, that'll get everybody to wake up, you know, after that for, for, the, for the good highlights. Exactly, exactly. All right, that's going to do it for Digging for Wisdom. Thank you guys for joining us again for Episode 7. Next week, we start the back end of the regular season. We go, uh, we go with Week 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11, and I can't wait to see how things start uh, shaping up in each of these districts. 